Are you done in the kitchen though? Right now? Yeah. No, I'm still cooking. Okay. <laughs> cooking? What? Well, just when you're done, I'll when I'll start recording for reels. What's up guys, my name is Justin, but you can call me J Swag, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. This is a special edition episode, I guess I should say, I guess I should say uh, because for the first time I'm going to do an exclusively Q&A episode, um, because I figure that would be easier so I could get more questions in and answer all of them and maybe spend some more time on some as opposed to trying to just squeeze it in at the end of an episode. So I figure maybe once a month or once every two months or something like that, I'll uh, just do a, a Q&A exclusive episode. Um, so yeah, if you guys don't know, I post on Facebook and Twitter um, and ask you guys to just Hit me up with any and all sports questions that you have. They don't have to be relevant. They don't have to be super serious. Um, any and all questions, and I will answer them. Um, so we're just going to hop right into this. Um, and I think there were only questions on Facebook, but uh, yeah, let's get right into it. All right, so the first question comes on Facebook from Jeffrey Graves. And he asks, winners and losers in the NFL draft, including teams and players, which team did the best, which player got shafted, and so on. Um, so the draft happened probably like a month ago or so. I mean, this I posed this question on Facebook a couple weeks back, so some of these may not be super time sensitive um, or relevant, but, you know, I apologize. I'm doing what I can, living life on the road and trying to record a podcast. But anyways... So winners and losers in the draft, um, I think, obviously, you know, at this point, I think a lot of people think the Browns did a great job. Um, you know, it was a little unexpected that they were going to take Baker Mayfield all the way at number one, because um, a lot of people had him slipping in their, uh, you know, mock drafts leading up to, the, to that day, but they took him number one, so they obviously have a lot of high hopes and expectations for him. So we'll see how he does. I mean, I did an episode kind of on Baker Mayfield um, about a month and a half, two months back about how I didn't think he was going to do that great in the NFL. I didn't think his talent would transfer or how his attitude would help him at all in the NFL. Um, I honestly thought he wasn't going to get drafted nearly this high. Might even slip out of the first round or first 10 at least. But, um, you know, the Browns took him, so we'll we'll see what happens. But they made some good, you know, some good, good trades in the offseason as well. So they're they're looking like they uh, might get a couple wins this year. Um, so, you know, kudos to them. I think they did great. I think the Giants had a great draft as well. They got some good, um, you know, tackles. They got some good guards. They got, obviously, Saquon Barkley, who I'm very, very excited about. Um you know, they got they drafted another backup quarterback, so we'll see, you know, as in the next few years as Eli's replacement starts to take shape, we'll see who, you know, ends up winning that uh 
that battle, um, but they did draft a good quarterback from from Richmond who could be you know Eli's replacement. But we'll see we'll see what happens with that. Um, so yeah, and then I I you know to be completely honest with you, I don't have a ton of knowledge on the draft, and at this point, you know, it's hard to say who are the winners and losers of the draft because it all is depending on the players and how they end up playing. Because you know some people are you know. Some people thought Trent Richardson as a first pick was incredible and awesome, you know, the running back out of Alabama, and then he was in the NFL for three years, and now he's nowhere. Um, and then, you know, you have these stories of people like Tom Brady being drafted in the sixth round, and he's now considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So it's hard to tell. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you can say, who you think won and lost, who you think are the good players and bad players, but it's all just going to be subjective until they go out and prove, you know, who they are and if they're, you know, a good player or not. All right, next question comes off Facebook from Megan Bush, and she asks, why is basketball your favorite sport to watch? Why not hockey? You're a Rockets fan, but do you have another team you think will win the playoffs this year? So... I'm going to just go at this one question at a time. So why is basketball your favorite sport to watch? Um, I think basketball, to me, is one of the most exciting sports. I know a lot of people can get bored watching it, uh, especially on TV. But for me, there's just something about it that's very exciting. I think it's very competitive a lot of times. Um, I think it's just very entertaining as well. Um, I think it's one of those sports where you really – it's not over until it is over. Um, You know – a lot of times, you know, if there's a competitive game, it'll it will go down to the last second in the last play. Um, if not, you know, sometimes there are blowouts, and those, you know, that happens in every sport. Um, but you know, I always, I always have the mentality when I'm watching a basketball game, and it's kind of close at the end, but sometimes it may seem like it's out of hand. You know, a ten point lead with uh, you know a minute left in the game. A lot of people just are like, all right, the game's over, they lost or whatever. Um, but ever since Tracy McGrady, about 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, scored 13 points himself in 33 seconds to have a come from behind win for the Rockets over the Spurs. At that point, I'm listen, I know that's very rare to happen, but it happened though. So you're down double digits with less than a minute to go. You, the game's not over, it's, you know. So I think that's one of the only sports. Um, I mean, you know, granted, in you know soccer anyone if you're down one goal you can score a goal at the very last second to tie it then into overtime um in football if you're down you know you're down 10 you can get a last second you know hail mary touchdown and then you know football's a little harder if you're down more than one score um which is like what i'm trying to shake so like with basketball if you're down by one score you're only down two or three points so that's a last second play that can you know, literally half a second left, you can tie or win the game. Soccer, the same thing. If you're down by one score, you can score a goal in the very last second to send it into overtime. Um, hockey, the same thing. Um, baseball, the same thing. I mean, baseball, again, it can, you know, if you're down one run, you know, bottom of the ninth, two outs, full count, and you hit a home run, you know, that'll, you know, send into extra innings. But, you need someone else to get on base and, and then not get another out to send it 
into extra innings or to win. But with football, it's a little different because if you're down one score, you know, then it's fine. But if you're down more than one score, like you're down seven, ten points, it's going to take a lot, you know, and you need more than one second Hail Mary because that's only going to get you six points. Uh, But like with basketball, if you're down five, six, seven points with 30 seconds left, you can still... You can still tire when the game. But anyways, so basketball is my favorite sport because I just think it's really entertaining. I think it's very competitive. Um, I like slam dunks a lot. I think those are super cool. I think dribble move, dribble moves are very cool when people have good handles. Um, it's just exciting to see people who are so talented. I think um, it's just there's – I think at this point in age – too. Um, I think there's a lot of diversity in the talent too. So not only that there's a lot of players who are just very, very good and considered, you know, quote unquote, the best player in the league, but there's also, you know, the best three point shooter, the best dunker, the best, uh, free throw shooter, the best handles, the best crossover, you know, all that stuff. So it's just, I don't know. I think it's very exciting. Uh, I just really enjoy watching it. So that's why it's my favorite sport. Why not hockey? Um, I think hockey is one of the least accessible sports in America. Um, Only ahead of soccer. Uh, I mean, for the major sports, I should say. Um, But I I, I always enjoy watching playoff hockey when it's on TV. I don't really... I'm not, like, a huge fan of any team. Um, Just because I never really watched it too much growing up. Um, you know, I can't really say why, I guess sometimes it's hard for me to follow because I mean, at this point it's hard for me to just follow any sport cause I don't have a home and I'm traveling a lot and I don't really get to watch any, I don't have a TV to watch any sports. Um, but when I do have, you know, when I'm living and I have a routine and I have a TV and stuff to watch sports, you know, I'm already trying to watch basketball and, and football during those seasons. And they, their two seasons kind of coincide a lot with, hockey but I mean specifically basketball and hockey have almost the exact same season and so when it comes down to it I'd rather be watching basketball than hockey um but like I said when it comes to the playoffs um if I have a tv I'll be watching it I love you know it's nothing wrong with the game of hockey itself I think hockey is also very exciting um to watch and I think there's you know, no disparity between teams. So I think it's always like, you know, it's never just like, all right, well, this team's just going to coast to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, I think a lot of times it's always very close and entertaining and competitive. So I think that's a great thing for hockey, Um, especially when you have a team like the Vegas Knights. This is their first year as a team. They're an expansion team, and they're in the Stanley Cup finals. Their odds were 500 to 1 at the beginning of the season. Um, So pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, so that's that, uh, you're a Rockets fan, but do you have another team you think will win the playoffs this year? Um, so last episode, I think it was, or maybe two episodes ago, I kind of went through my predictions for the rest of the NBA playoffs and I had it being the Cavs and the Warriors and I had the Warriors winning it all. So I have, you know, I'm a Rockets fan cause I am a Chris Paul fan. Um, so I'll follow whatever team he ends up on, but yeah, so I have the Warriors winning it again just because I think until that lineup changes, I think they're going to keep winning. Um, I think it's going to take something special to dethrone them. I think the Rockets are special, but I don't think they're special enough to beat them. Um, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden on the same team is 
incredible. Um, Clint Capella is only getting better, but you know, their bench, not that deep. Um, and as we've seen in this series with the Warriors, if their bench does very well, um, you know, you know, PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon and people like that, then they'll win and they'll win very easily. Um, and you can kind of blow out a team like the Warriors if you're clicking on all cylinders like that. Uh, but when they don't, like in game one, uh, it doesn't go so well. And then, you know, they got blown out by 40 plus points, I think, in game three. Um, so, you know, I think that's a series that I was hoping would go to seven. I thought it would be a very competitive series so far. It hasn't really been very competitive. The games have kind of all been lopsided. So I'm hoping that both teams can kind of pick it up and, you know, play better. Uh, but I still have the Warriors winning that one in seven. I think it may go only six at this point. Um, but, you know, it's just something about the Warriors, man. Like, you know, Steph Curry is extremely talented. Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, Sean Levy. Like, they just have this is such a good, good and deep bench. They have four all-stars on their starting roster. So, obviously, you know, that speaks for itself. Um, so, yeah. So, I have the I have the Warriors winning it all this year over the Cavs. Um, we'll see if that happens. I mean, it still could be – it's still anyone's game in both of those series. Um you know, the Cavs just tied it up last night 2-2 with the Celtics heading back to Boston now. And the Warriors at this point are up 2-1. I think game five, or sorry, game four is tonight or tomorrow night. Um, but anyways, yeah, so thank you for that question, Megan. Um, Gerald Graves asked on Facebook, uh, Graham wants to know how the Cowboys did. Uh, so that's referring to the draft. Um you know, I didn't really follow the draft super super closely, especially not the, if it wasn't the Giants. I wasn't following very closely. But from what I've heard, the Cowboys did not do great. Uh, they haven't had a great offseason. Uh, they let go of Des Bryant, which, you know, have your own opinion about that. Um, but they let go of him. Um, I don't, you know, to be honest, this is embarrassing because I just don't follow, you know, the NFL super closely. But... From what I know, Jason Witten is not on the Cowboys anymore either. Um, so that's a big loss for them. I, I heard that they just they drafted very poorly. So I don't think they did super well. I think the Cowboys will have another season like they did last year. You know, probably finish second in the NFC East and maybe make it to the wild card. But I don't think they'll make it very deep into the playoffs. Um, you know. Granted, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was suspended for a couple of games last year, so that obviously contributed. But we'll see if they, he and Dak Prescott continue to, to play well um, and click together. But, you know, I think they'll be a, a, a decent team again, but I don't think they're going to be going very far into the playoffs this year. Um, let's see, this next question is from Brianna Smith. Yes, there are four teams from four different leagues in the semifinals of the Champions League. Which league is best, and will the Champions League prove it? Um, from Bree's husband. Okay, so there are four teams from four different leagues in the semifinals of the Champions League. Which league is best, and will the Champions League prove it? Okay, so again, I don't follow soccer super closely. I probably should have had Hunter answer this question, um, but... From what I know now, I, I'm pretty sure that the final is Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Um, 
So I believe at that, I think it was La Liga, the Barclays. Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I am so sorry, Bree's husband. I'm just butchering this uh, question, but either way, it doesn't change my answer. Uh, when I read over this question initially, I, I think the Barclays Premier League is is the best league. Uh, I think they have the most depth in, in talented teams uh, in their league. I mean, I know they're like the biggest and most heard of league, but I mean, it's they are that way for a reason. I think they have the most talented teams. They have a lot of times the most talented players um, outside of you know, the two best players, Ronaldo and Messi, um, who are both in La Liga. Um, Serie A, you know, they have a couple of good teams, but it's usually the same two or three teams. You know, Roma and Juventus are usually up top um, of their league. Um, Bundesliga, you know, they, they have a couple of good teams and they'll usually get some good players. So there'll be some good games there. But again, I just think the Premier League just has so many, you know, they have... Chelsea, Man U, Man City, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, you know, they just have a lot of teams in there that are well-known, and I think a lot of times it's a more competitive league. But again, I don't really follow soccer that much, if you heard last episode, uh, so I apologize. This is embarrassing. I'm a terrible podcasting host, but we're going to move along. Thank you for the question. All right, uh, Jeffrey Graves asked another question. And he posted an article and he said, is there equity in WWE salaries? So let me open this article real quick, uh, which I believe is just, here's how much the world's top WWE wrestlers earned per year. All right, let's see. And this, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear, uh, I'm curious to see if this will shock uh, a lot of people in hearing how much some of these wrestlers make, because I think some people think they make a lot more than they do, and I think some people think they make a lot less than they do. I do want to mention, though, that this is just their salaries based on their contracts that they sign. So just like any other athlete, they have a contract that they sign. It's usually multi-year, and these are the top, you know, superstars and what they make. Um, But they also get royalties from the merchandise that they sell. So... They don't personally sell their merchandise like WWE like makes it and sells it for them like on their website. But because they're kind of using their likeness and their image and their name and stuff, the superstars who it's for, like they get royalties from it. They don't get all the proceeds, obviously, but they get royalties. So they get a a cut of every T-shirt or headband or pair of socks or whatever is sold. Um, That is theirs. So. Um, that is not included on this, but that if you, if their name is on this list, they're making a good amount of, of merchandise money as well on top of this. But here we go. So number one, no surprise to me is Brock Lesnar, and he came in at twelve million dollars for I believe this is for last year. Uh, let's see. It doesn't mention, um, but I believe this is. You know, last year in 2017, this is how much they made. So Brock Lesnar at number one at 12 million, John Cena eight and a half million, Roman Reigns five million, Randy Orton four and a half million, AJ Styles three and a half million, Seth Rollins three million, The Miz two and a half million, Triple H two oh my god Triple H Triple H two and a half million, Undertaker two and a half million, Dean Ambrose two million, 
Kevin Owens, two million. Dolph Ziggler, one and a half million. Sheamus, one million. Jeff Hardy, one million. Bray Wyatt, one million. Finn Balor, one million. Jinder Mahal, nine hundred thousand. Kane, nine hundred thousand. Big Show, eight fifty, and Samoa Joe, eight hundred thousand. Um, okay, so that was probably a lot to go through, uh, but basically, so the top. 16 paid male wrestlers in the company are making at least a million dollars a year. And then the next two are, or the next four, are 900, 800,000. And so the reason I got upset halfway through, so Triple H at number eight made two and a half million dollars last year as a professional wrestler. Uh, he wrestles one time a year, <clears throat> typically at, WrestleMania, but he's the COO of the company. So this is his salary for being for wrestling. This is he got it. He basically his father. Sorry, I need some context here. So Triple H was a professional wrestler for 20 years, 25 years um, in the 90s and the 2000s and a little into the 2010s. But then he kind of transitioned into his role as COO of the WWE. Um, pretty much second only to Vince McMahon, who owns the whole company. Um, he is Triple H is married to Stephanie McMahon, the daughter of Vince McMahon. So the f- the owner of WWE is his father in law, um, and his wife is the uh, creative, the chief creative uh, executive, I believe. Uh, she's extremely high up in the company as well. But so he makes, you know probably over $10 million a year with his salary of being the COO of the company. But he also then essentially paid himself two and a half million dollars to wrestle one match last year. I mean, he probably did a couple house shows, but I mean, what I'm saying though is he got, uh, oh, his name? he got two and a half million dollars as a COO for wrestling a couple matches last year. Meanwhile, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, Sheamus, those guys all got one and a half, two or one million dollars last year, but they were wrestling night in and night out every single night on the road at the house shows, the live events, every pay-per-view, every live show taping. So, you know, they're wrestling 360 days a year and getting less than the COO who's already making five times that amount as a salary, but he paid himself more than them for wrestling a couple matches. So, I mean, that just kind of frustrates me. Uh, it's interesting. Undertaker got $2.5 million. He's like 54 years old, and he wrestled, I think, three matches last year. But, I mean, he's a huge name, huge grab, so that makes sense. Kane got $900,000 last year. He's like 55 years old. He just won, like, I think, I'm pretty sure he won his primary to become the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. Like, he's been running, he's been campaigning for like three years. He's been pretty much retired for like two or three years. And they had him come back in horrible storylines and wrestle, and he made almost a million dollars. You know, even though he was wasn't really involved. Anyways, that just frustrates me. And then it says uh, the top earning WWE woman wrestler Ronda Rousey earns one and a half million dollars per year, and Charlotte Flair is at second with five hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. So that so back to the question: Is there disparity in? Or equity, uh, that kind of revealed my answer. Is there equity in uh, payment? I think there's just a lot of disparity. I mean, 
the top female wrestler who is Ronda Rousey. He's a huge name. Earns one and a half million dollars, which would put her at number 12 on the list if she was included with the men. And then the second highest is Charlotte Flair at $550,000, which would not even put her close to the top 20. Um, so that kind of frustrates me because Charlotte Flair is by far the best female wrestler in the world right now. Uh, she's incredibly talented. She's very gifted. Uh, and she's making $550,000 a year. Not even close to the top 25, 30, probably 45 names uh, if she's included with the males. And a lot of these guys, she's way more talented than. She's better. Like, she should be above Big Show, Kane, Jinder Mahal, Jeff Hardy, Dolph Ziggler. Like, she should be up there and making like two and a half, three million dollars a year if you're comparing her to these people on this list. Ronda Rousey. Like I said, she's a big name, so that's why she got a, you know, the biggest contract uh, for a female wrestler because she was a huge name in mixed martial arts and UFC and whatnot. Um, I mean, she's wrestled like three times since she signed. And, I mean, she signed a full-time deal, so that makes me happy that she's not like Brock Lesnar when she when he shows up whenever he wants and makes $12 million a year. Um, but, I mean, I, I think she should be getting paid more. I think Charlotte Flair should be getting paid more. I think there's no equity at all between the males and females which I think is ridiculous um, and just sad uh, in a day and age like this but uh, you know until they retire Brock Lesnar and John Cena are going to be at the top of that list because they're the biggest names they are the biggest draw they have the biggest merch numbers they bring in the biggest crowds uh, to the house shows so they're going to be up there at the top uh, every year until they retire um Maybe not as they should be because both of those guys are part-timers, meaning that they don't wrestle like live house shows that aren't on TV. A lot of times they don't even show up. Like they don't wrestle at a lot of the pay-per-views. Like they just wrestle at the major ones. So they kind of come and go as they please to be at the biggest shows, the biggest crowds, and they get the biggest paychecks too, which is just frustrating for me as a fan. Um, But yeah, so I, I do not think that there's equity in WWE salaries, at least at the top. And then with the females as well. Uh, so thank you for that question, Jeffrey. Uh, this next question comes from Mary Graves on Facebook. She says, I need the soccer in one minute explanation. Kind of like what Val requested a while back for football. It moves so dang fast. Which I think is funny because a lot of people's complaints about soccer is that it moves way too slow. But regardless, let me pull up my timer here. Set it for one minute. And I will try to explain soccer in one minute. And here we go. Okay, so soccer is a sport that originated outside of the U.S. and has immigrated into the U.S., which, listen to the last episode to hear all about that. But, so... Basically, there's two teams. Each team has 11 players on the field at a time. Um... You have goalkeepers, midfielders, defenders, strikers. There's different names for them. But so you have some people, you know, you have your goalkeepers who are going to stand in the goal and try to make sure that the soccer ball does not go in there to score. You have your defenders who are going to defend and you have your, you know, midfielders and strikers who are the ones who are pushing the ball up and trying to score. Um, There's two 45 minute periods. And then at the end of each half, um, there's usually additional time for 
injury stoppage and when the ball goes out of bounds because they don't there's a it's a running clock um there are yellow cards when you foul which means you have a warning and then if you get another card yellow card you get a red card and you're immediately ejected if you get another red card by itself you are rejected or ejected from the game and that is time it is too hard to explain sports in one minute but i'm gonna keep going um so if you get two yellow cards, then you automatically get a red card and you're ejected from the game. If you get a red card just by itself, you get ejected from the game and your team is then only playing with 10 players. Um, you usually will get a yellow card for a bad slide tackle. Um, sometimes you'll even get a red card or for um, other stuff, which soccer players find fun ways to do that. Uh, just the other day, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, one of the biggest names in Soccer in the world uh, just slapped uh, an opponent in the back of the head for no reason whatsoever. Got a yellow card. Uh, so, you know, people will find different ways to do that. And then the last thing about soccer is you're only going to be good if you are skilled and if you know how to act very, very well. Because soccer players, there's a new breed of them. <clears throat> there's a new breed of them and they just like to dive and flop and act and... Uh, act like their foot was just chopped off with rabbit's teeth every time they get pushed. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so I didn't make it in one minute, but I tried. Uh, hopefully that explains soccer a little bit to you. Um, but if not, again, go back and listen to our episode, previous episode with Hunter, because he does a much better job um, of explaining soccer. All right. This next question comes from Matt Newberg, and he asks, Do you think LeBron's experience on the Cavs is similar to playing a sports video game with a bunch of mid-tier AI computer players? Now, this is a very interesting and... Uh, it's a cool concept for a question, I should say. Um, I like it a lot. But so, basically, for LeBron, is him playing in the NBA the same as when you play a video game and you kind of bump the difficulty down of your opponent so you have an easier time? Uh, I'd say for 90% of the teams and players that he plays against, yes, I do think it is that way. Um, there are a few teams like the Warriors, uh, the Pacers, um Maybe, I mean, maybe the Celtics, but I, I mean, mm, see, that's even a, mm, that's tough because I'm saying it's, it's that it's those teams make it more difficult for him, but it's really, it's just, you know, as easy for him, but it's just, they do a better job of defending his teammates so that they're useless so that they can't win the game because he's literally doing everything he can and doing a very good job of it, but it, it's just, it's just not enough. It's not ever going to be enough if you're doing it all by yourself without any teammates to help you so you know i do think though that it's like he's playing against mid-tier ai opponents because a lot of times if you just watch him like especially in that raptors series in the playoffs this year where they swept the raptors um he looked like he was playing against a bunch of high schoolers like he there was this one time i think it was in game two or three where they literally ran the same exact play three times in a row for him, and it worked every single time. Like, I don't know if it's just that the Raptors just didn't know how to adjust to that or what, but, I mean, 
it, it, a lot of times it does just seem very easy for him. I've only seen him really struggle against the the Warriors, honestly. Um, I mean, when he was a younger player, he obviously struggled more because he was still coming into his own. But he's in his 15th season now. I think he's playing better than ever. Um, you know, I, I think... I think a lot of times it is very easy for him. I think in the regular season, he's always just coasting and he's at most, he's giving 85% of what he has uh, to win those games. And then when it comes to the playoffs, he turns it up to a hundred. Um, and a lot of times we'll have to turn it up to like 110 and those games are scary to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that's kind of how it is for LeBron uh, in most cases when he's playing in the NBA. So thank you for that question, Matt. Um, let me just scroll up here to get the last few questions. All right. <clears throat> this next question comes from Tyler Flowers, and he asks, what are your thoughts on the aspect of tanking, uh, which, for those who don't know, is losing games to get a good draft selection? More specifically, the NBA's hope to diminish this after this year. I'm still learning much about the business side of sports and trying to wrap my head around this. Okay, so my thoughts on the aspect of tanking. Um, at this point, I think it's... Um, well, I guess I should say up to this point. It's been a part of... It's been a part of the NBA, so why not do it? Uh, I don't like it. I don't think it's good. I think it's dumb. I think it's a waste of people's time and energy and money. To do that, which I'll explain in a little bit, but I, I think it's a part of the game, so why not do it? Because if they're leaving it for you to take advantage of it, then you should, because you're trying to do everything you can to get the best team possible and to win. So if that means losing for a year or two, so you get great draft picks to build a better team, why not do it? Because you're there's no consequences, there's no punishment, uh, other than you know, you lose a a lot of games for a couple of years, but it's very obvious when it's happening to your fan base and to other NBA players and coaches and GMs and whatnot. So once you get that team, then, then you're good to go. Um, so basically to further uh, explain tanking, it's uh, most seen in the NBA. Um, but so it's basically when there's a team that's not that great and they realize they're not going to make the playoffs they basically don't try for the rest of the season so they can essentially lose as many games as they can to then help their chances at getting a better draft pick. And so basically how that then works is for the NBA draft, um, for the first for like the first round, basically it's like a lottery. It's a, it's a draft lottery. And so it works like the lottery, like with the, the ping pong balls, basically. So if you have the worst record in the NBA, you basically get more ping pong balls thrown into the big machine and then, you know, moving up with better records and so on and so forth. So let's say the worst team in the NBA gets 10 ping pong balls. The second worst gets eight. The next gets six, so on and so forth. So it helps your chances to get the number one, two or three, you know, NBA draft pick. Um, so I've actually seen this a lot recently. Um, the 76ers, I think, are most notorious for having done it. Um, they've been extremely bad for the past probably six or seven years. Um, they had a decent team. I mean, they were pretty good when they had Allen Iverson. He took them to the finals by himself in 2001. But then once he kind of left, 
they were pretty mediocre. They had Andre Iguodala when he was pretty good there. They were mediocre and maybe making it into like the eight or seven seed for the playoffs. And then once he was traded and left the team, uh, they were just like pretty trash. Um, and so for a couple years in a row, they had the worst record in the NBA. Uh, last year, actually alone, they had the longest losing streak in NBA history, I believe. Um, and so a lot of times you think to yourself, wow, this team is terrible. Is it really worth it to tank? Because they've been tanking for a few years and gotten and gotten like top draft picks, and they're still terrible. But this year, you know, so last year they had the longest NBA losing streak in history, and this year they were in the number three seed in the NBA playoffs and won like 55 games, which is legitimately one of the biggest turnarounds I think I've ever seen in NBA history of going from one of the worst to one of the best. Um, and it's such an improvement because that's just – and it, you know, like you look at the Cubs as well, like in the MLB, they didn't, they weren't tanking, but they had the same kind of thing where they just were drafting a lot of young players, cultivating them, not trading them away for big name like older players, but just cultivating them, maturing them, growing them, and then they won the World Series for the first time in like a hundred, ten years I think or something like that. So that's kind of what the 76ers did, but they lost on purpose to get to there, and so now they have a really great team. Um, they have a solid young team uh that looks really good for the foreseeable future um and it's helped them now also grow their market grow their fan base and you know now bigger free agents may want to go to philadelphia which they wouldn't have dreamed of going to one year ago um but so my opinion on it i I think it's terrible (laughs) i hate it i'm glad that the nba is trying to get rid of it um and basically they're just trying to change up how the draft lottery goes to then so that it doesn't really pay off to tank. Um, so I, I really like that, that the NBA is doing it, but I hate tanking because I think it's terrible for the fans because basically once they realize that it's happening, why bother wasting my money to go see this team? Um, which is just like, you know, listen, I know it's like a, it's a business and they're doing what's best for business and stuff, but it's like, it's also, entertainment uh you know as well like if it was if you weren't entertaining fans and people weren't coming you wouldn't have money you wouldn't have the business side so you rely on the fans and their money and their passion um so i think it's kind of disrespectful and rude for a team to just for a team to just start tanking and losing games on purpose because then your fan base is like cool you don't really i mean i know it's like oh it's for the future though so it's just like it's it's tough to hate it for so long because then it, you know for the 76ers teams may you know their fans may have hated it for a while but now they have a great team that's really fun to watch and like fun to cheer on so you know and if they hadn't tanked they wouldn't may not have been in this position now um but i just don't like i just feel like it's kind of like throwing the game um which you know they're not getting paid to do so it's not illegal or anything you know like the black Sox or anything but it's just, I don't know, I just think it's kind of sketchy to lose games on purpose so you can get a better draft pick. I think it's just, like, kind of cheap, almost. I don't know. I just, I don't really like it. I understand why teams do it. Like I said, you know, it pays off usually in the end, but I just I just don't really like it. I think it's it takes a lot of the entertainment and excitement and competitiveness out of, out of the NBA, which is part of the reason of why I like the NBA so much, as I mentioned earlier. So... Uh, yeah, thank you for that question, Tyler. 
Uh, and then the last question here comes from Brandon O'Neill, and he asks, is Golden State's slash insert LeBron's teams here, uh, is their dominance good or bad for the NBA? Uh, this is another good question. Um, so I, I don't think it's very good, but at the same time, once teams are able to be more competitive with them, I think it is because let me explain. So basically the Warriors are a dynasty, right? Ever since they put that team together of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, they've been unstoppable. You know, they've been, you know, having incredible records, uh, lots of all-star selections, lots of MVPs, lots of championship runs, lots of records being broken, um, you know, the best record in the NBA, the most three-pointers, you know, best offensive team, blah, 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 blah. They're a dynasty because those guys are committed to that team, so none of them are going to leave unless they're traded, obviously, but they're not going to leave in free agency, so that team is going to be that good until, you know, they're all 40 years old or they leave. Um, and so it can get annoying because they're just going to keep winning and winning and winning, and they're going to keep dominating and um, doing what they do, um, which for some people can be really annoying. It's it's kind of been annoying for me um, because it's like, oh, look, the Warriors are in the finals again, and they're going to win again, and they're just blowing out their team, their opponents in the you know, in the playoffs and it, it can get frustrating to watch cause it's not very fun to watch cause it's not super competitive. And same with, you know, LeBron, he's just been running the East like for the past 10 years, he's made the finals seven years in a row and hasn't had that much trouble up until this year getting there. Um, but like I was saying now, I think it's good because you have teams like the Pacers and the Celtics who are giving LeBron a run for his money and making people think, oh my gosh, is LeBron not going to make it to the finals for the first time in seven years? Um, and they're making him work harder for it. And same in the West, you know, I mean, it hasn't really been that bad up until this point, even really at this point. But it seems like, you know, the Rockets who are giving them a run for their money and, you know, blowing them out sometimes in the postseason. We'll see how this rest of the series plays out. But it's it's basically but it's a legitimate contender though and people aren't just like oh the warriors are just going to breeze into the finals like they're going to have to work for it um and i think if the rockets continue to get better and teams like the timberwolves and the blazers and the pelicans continue to get better they'll start to give the warriors a run for their money same on the east i mean lebron is only getting older which at this point he's proved doesn't affect his game um but his teammates are awful which doesn't help but um you have young teams like the Celtics or teams like the Pacers um, who, or even the 76ers when they play in the regular season who are beating them and giving them a run for their money in the playoffs, uh, which makes it a lot more interesting and competitive, which is what I like. So it's kind of the same thing almost as like the, you know, the tanking thing where it's like, it can be annoying for a couple of years, but then once it like comes full circle and it's, you know, teams are competing with the Warriors and LeBron's teams, it, it, it gets more exciting. Um, so, you know, I think it's good and bad. Um, I think if they have their dynasty run and are just unchallenged, I don't think it's super exciting. I mean, obviously it's extremely exciting for their fans because their team is just dominating and it's incredible to watch and exciting to watch. But 
you know, for people who aren't fans of that team or for especially for people who dislike that team, it's really frustrating and annoying to watch. Um, but then, like I said, once it comes full circle, if people are able to challenge them, then it's fun because it's like, oh, my gosh, this team has been so good for so long and they might not win now. Like they may not make it, um, which just adds more excitement and suspense and competition, uh, which I think is really good for any sport. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you for that question, Brandon, and thank you all for your questions. I appreciate you sending those in. Um, I had a lot of fun doing this. I like doing Q&A episodes, so I think I'm going to keep this up. Um, but I want more questions. I want more people to ask questions. Um, so let me know. I mean, if you're hearing this and you didn't know that I was doing these, that I didn't po- that I post these questions, you didn't realize that. Uh, let me know why or how. Like, did you just not see the Facebook status? Are you not following the podcast on Twitter? Um, I've been pretty, actually, seriously considering. I've been mocking it the past few episodes, but I've been seriously considering making like a Facebook page and an Instagram and like an, an email for the podcast so people can email their questions in or so they can follow the podcast so they see all that stuff on Facebook or Instagram and whatnot. Um, so let me know if you're listening to this, please let me know, uh, if I should do that. And then also if you're listening to this and you didn't know, I asked for questions, let me know what would help you, you know, realize why there were no questions. Um, so to communicate that with me, follow the podcast on Twitter. Um, it's at S T W S cast, um, tweet at me, DM me, um, do whatever, but follow so you can stay up to date and see what I'm saying about sports. But let me know, uh, how I can communicate better with you guys so that you know that I'm doing this stuff. Um, and also just while you're there, give me some feedback. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know what you think uh, I should talk about next. Um, let me know your answers to these questions. I want to, I want to have discussions and conversations with you guys that are listening. Um, and make sure to also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Um, if you have an iPhone, just go to your podcast's uh, app. It's already on your phone. And then just search for Sports Talk with Swag. Make sure you hit the subscribe button because then you won't miss any episode. Anytime there's a new episode, it'll automatically download and pop up on your feed in your podcasts. And same if you have an Android phone, uh, it's, except in your, you're going to your Google Play store um, and through your podcast and then search again for Sports Talk with Swag and subscribe. Like I mentioned, follow the podcast on Twitter, STWSCast. I'm trying to tweet a bunch. It's hard, you know, not getting to watch sports and being on the road and whatnot. Um, but pretty soon I'll be at the beach for like a week and a half and I'm hoping to record one or two episodes there and hopefully be tweeting more there. Um, but yeah, so let me know if you want to be in the show, I'll have you on. We'll talk about whatever you want that's sports related. Let me know what you want me to talk about. Um, and actually, you know what? I'll be right back. I'm going to do something real quick. All right, I'm back. And you know what? I just created an email for the podcast because that's just going to make things easier for me and for you and for everyone, for everything. So... If you want to tell me why you didn't hear about the uh, questions or if you want to send me your uh, feedback and thoughts on the episode, uh, what you think about what I said, your answers to the questions, what I should talk about next, if you want to be on the podcast, anything like that, send me an email. I will read it, I promise. Sportstalkwithswag at gmail.com. 
Send anything and everything you want there. I will read it. I promise I will respond as soon as I can, as soon as I read it. Um, and then make sure also on iTunes or Google Play, review the podcast. Um, be the first one to leave a review. We're still waiting on our first review. Uh, zero stars to five stars. Be as honest as you can. I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you're thinking. Um, yeah. So, again, sportsdogwithswag at gmail.com, STWScast on Twitter. Uh, let me know if I should create an Instagram slash Facebook account for these to make it easy guys, for you guys to follow and keep up. Uh, but other than that, I want to thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. Um, thank you for sending in your questions. And I will see you in a different place on another time. Peace. It's sports.